Two middle-aged men in Cleveland. One, two, five is the episode. Ken Dworsnik, Ted Klopp. Ted's been a bit since we've talked. We've not had the opportunity to talk as much in between shows. You've mm. been super busy. Running around. I've been doing a countless a bunch of different things. We'll get into that at some point in time. But uh, certainly wanted to catch up with you. Gosh, you know... The weather has been absolutely beautiful. It really yeah. has. I, I I think we have extended summer to an extent. We've had some really nice days, even today as we record this on Tuesday. I mean, we're at I'm at like 50 degrees. Yeah. We're in the funny, the nice sunny skies of Medina, Ohio. So one of your favorite places. Oh, one of my absolute favorite places. Yeah. Yeah. It's warm. Uh... Well, it's warmer up here as well. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm in the south. We're usually warmer. Like Cincinnati, it's like 10 to 15 degrees warmer there than it usually is here. So in, the, in Medina, it'll be about 5 to 6 degrees, closer Cincinnati, to the equator. They don't know what snow is. No, they don't. Ice they do, do though. They get a yeah. lot of ice. That's not fun. Yeah, yeah. That's not fun. Well, we're not uh, trying to talk a bunch of sports, but it's hard not to talk about what happened on Sunday. Did you that have the is. opportunity to see the game? Uh, I saw a little, and you can probably guess why. Yeah, you probably yeah. had some hockey, maybe. Hockey. Oh, yeah. yeah, a lot of hockey. But uh, I saw a little bit of it. I did not see the winning kick, but uh, was informed of it and uh, then announced it to the folks who were watching the game that I was announcing for. So, uh, yeah. Double duty. Yeah. Look at you. Double oh, yeah. duty. Oh, You're yeah. announcing the... The hockey game, correct? Then, That's, uh, PA announcing, yes. Look at you. Absolutely. How was your vocals for the PA announcing? I know you used to do some work for Ashton University and Padua Franciscan High School. You, you back in the mix? Oh, what, yeah. Do you back have a goal call or do you go goal or what do you, what do you got? Uh, no, I have actually, I have, um, when there's a goal, I have the horn. Oh. I have a, I have a program. And um, it uh, it's a touch screen. And so I have the goal horn and then I have some music. And then right now I have three options on how to end that. One is um, the Ric Flair woo. Oh, I like that. The second is Austin Powers saying, yeah, baby, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the third, which I use every so often is the what is he a french soccer announcer an italian soccer announcer and he just goes go i love it and he just keeps going kids gotta love that right so you're not doing this for every game you're just doing it for your kids games when you're working, i'm doing right? it well i'm doing it for any game that i have a kid in that's a home game and uh actually saturday night i got uh, drafted to <laughs> we had a game and then we had a practice and I was standing there waiting for my son to come out from practice, you know, change from practice. And one of the other team managers said, Hey, I, uh, I'm missing four people and I don't have anybody to play music. Any chance you can help me out? And I, you know, it's a Saturday night. It's at like six o'clock and it's just me and my son there, my middle son, so I called Erica and I said, here's what's going on. Do you mind if I stay and do this? She's like, no, go ahead. So Gus got to watch a, a Bantam game and I called it, which was kind That's of neat. Cool. 
a lot of the kids that those are first year Bantams. So it's a lot of kids that we played with last year. So it's neat to see them step, you know, at the next level. So I figured you'd be recruited. I mean, if you're doing that for that level, I mean, I, I would not be surprised you're going to get for Bantam, but I imagine at some point in time, the high school is going to be contacting to say, Hey, uh, you want to be doing some of our games too. So that's pretty cool what you're doing though, man. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And once again, that's all volunteer. It's, it's not like all volunteer. Yep. That's, that's pretty just, cool. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I think the kids enjoy it and uh, you know, they get to, if they score, they get to hear their names. I also make sure I don't think you normally uh, hockey announcers or PA announcers normally do this, but I uh, will announce the shots, but I'll say like, uh, you know, Shaker had five shots against uh, mentors, John Smith and mentor had four shots against Shaker's Joe blow. Oh, that's nice. Give yeah. the a little credit because the chances of the goalie getting his name called are slim and none. Right. So, yeah. Look at you. Men for others. That's, that's it. You. That's it. Well, Ted, what we got going on today's show? Well, we have John Ryan, who's here with another sports pick. We're going to talk about that. We'll talk a little more about the Browns with him. John Grabowski is here to talk about the Veterans Memorial Bridge. We've got all that, plus a used car salesman on a test drive that doesn't go as planned. That and more coming up. And now, a woman's perspective. What's the difference between a sofa and a man watching Monday Night Football? The sofa doesn't keep asking for beer. This has been A Woman's Perspective. Time for our history lesson with our professor, with our professor, John Grabowski. John, a very interesting one. This is kind of selfish on my part. Mm -hmm. I don't know much about this, so I'm just going to kind of sit back and listen. Tell us about the lower level of Veterans Memorial Bridge. Well, I, I have to tell you about Veterans Memorial Bridge, but I'll tell you what the lower level was. It was for street <laughs> and, uh And when the bridge was opened in 1917, streetcars were uh, the form of urban transportation. So the upper deck was for the growing number of automobiles, but there were streetcars that used the lower deck. You can't find the entrances, but, you know, it was just a West 6th Street that the streetcars would dip down, go to the lower level, and then they would come out about West uh, and West 25th Street. Uh, And there was just, you can still see the remnants of of a streetcar station there on the other side. And it's been kind of common now for Ingenuity Fest or some other festivals to open that lower level to uh, pedestrian traffic. Uh, Streetcars went goodbye in 1954. The last ones ran in 54. And once they uh, emptied the the streetcars route, they closed those entrances off. And that's why it became kind of sort of a mystery for people what was down there. And and it's it's kind of a great space really to, to go down because you you have this view of the river and the flats below you. Uh, and of course, you've got the rumble of traffic over you. But the bridge itself, uh, we go in the whole story of bridges if you want me to. But there was a there was a Superior Avenue viaduct. And if you know that, it, it there's part of it left on the west side. You can walk out over it. It was a lower level viaduct. And it had a swing. It was built in the eight, late 1870s. And it had a swing span. So every time a ship came through it, 
that had to open. And uh, by the early 1900s, that wasn't doing too well for either streetcar traffic or vehicular traffic because it was constantly opening or closing. So the uh, Veterans Memorial Bridge, the Detroit Superior Bridge, if you want to call it its original name, uh, took eight years to build. Uh, and, and that, you can notice, has that high arch so the ships can get right under it. Um, and it's a, a remarkable piece of engineering at that time. Um, and it, yeah, and it, it, one of the things that really, there, at one point in the 1920s, there were 70,000 cars a day going over the bridge. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and, and the, uh, the statement is that that was probably the busiest bridge in the United States. And in the 1960s, vehicular traffic was still so strong, despite the fact that you had other new bridges that had come in, the Main Avenue Bridge and the Lorraine Carnegie Bridge, that they added two more lanes, which are outside the arch. Mm -hmm. so, so those were cantilevered out. So those are additions to the original bridge. Wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's been renamed the Veterans Memorial Bridge. Uh, it was the uh, site of a very important event when Cleveland announced that there was going to be busing in the schools. Groups of people from the west side and the east side uh, came together at Operation Bridge in the center of the bridge to advocate peaceful busing and integration of the schools. So that bridge, you know, bridges are iconic in Cleveland. That's, you know, that's what links the west side to the east side. You know, and the Interbelt Bridge, which, you know, that uh, the one that's uh, uh, goes out to uh, the airport, uh, you know, it's the Voinovich Bridge. Now that's just been rebuilt. But when that was built in the 1950s as part of the interstate program, that was another bridge. So you could you can count the bridges, you know, the Interbelt Bridge, you know, the uh, the Hope Memorial Bridge, the Detroit Superior Bridge, the uh, and then the Main Avenue Bridge, many ways to get across that valley. Now, John, the uh, the lower level, they give tours of that periodically, and you can, there's some old streetcars and such underneath there, if I'm not mistaken. It's, uh, it's a pretty fascinating thing when they open it up, right? Yeah, yeah, the tracks are long gone, so the, the, whatever accoutrements they have there will change over time. But for me, the, the best part of that is just simply the view and I guess the solution to the mystery that Ken had, you know, what was that lower level for? And I think the lower level is just, it's a special space because you have a cover over you, the roadway. It's almost like a covered bridge going down there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and it's a huge bridge. I, I love that arch. You know, the arch had to be high to get the vehicular traffic over the ships that were coming through. Yeah. John, are you surprised that no one's really taken on that spot since it's such a, a, a beautiful view and all that? Are you surprised that no one's taken over that spot and done anything with it above and beyond what it is now? I'm, I'm a little surprised, but I think with the impetus that's going on in downtown, where downtown's going from a commercial district to a residential district, that like the Canal Basin Park and other areas that were sort of neglected history of Cleveland, they're they're, it's going to become part, I think, of a normal routine and whatever they're going to do with it, I don't know. You know, I'm not an engineer, so I don't know, you know, could you build a street of shops there? Could it almost be sure. like a bridge in, in Italy where you have the shops, you know, uh, on, on the edge of the bridge? If you're going to Florence, you know, that's one of the favorite things. You can go over the Great Bridge there and do some shopping while you're on your way over. I, I don't know. You know, it would be a great place for little maker shops, people who do you know, 
custom-made jewelry or other things rather than mass marketing. Fifth Street Arcade does a lot of that oh, maker sure, business now too. You know, that's uh, so. Yeah, I I think it's that's kind of was envisioning when you're talking about that. Yeah, I yeah. I would agree. Yeah, and uh, and you know, like the Hope Memorial Bridge, which is now a link to the booming West Twenty Fifth Street area. And if you've been to West Twenty Fifth and uh, and uh, basically Lorraine, it's just totally changed. Um, and that stretches all the way down. And, and you know, they're now going to do the Irish Town Bend Park. Yep. So they've got clearance on that. So you're going to have that on the other side. And it all depends what they do with the flats on the east side. There are big plans for the flats now, too. So, yeah, I, I think we're going to see some major changes with that bridge. Very exciting times. Yep. Yeah. It's a cool place. It really, it really is. is. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I well, could I could be bad and say in the winter it's a cold place, though. <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for the information and a very interesting lesson, something I did not know much about. Thanks again for the information on the lower level of Veterans Memorial Bridge. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Ted out and about Northeast Ohio. Drinking, eating, doing both at the same time, filling our stomachs, expanding. That's kind of where we're at. This is where I've expanded in the past week. I went to uh, Planet Flag, Loggerheads, and also took in a wonderful restaurant. It's a chain, but I just enjoy it. They have obviously one in Rocky River, different areas. Uh, First Watch, met with a very good friend. Mm. Actually, I'm going to do some business with as well. So uh, it was wonderful. And then I had the experience. I know this is a little bit out Northeast Ohio. And I know you've been there, the Canton Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. They have all those different fields there. Actually, um, the young gentleman, the, uh, the Cleveland kid, Colin Forgotch, I got to watch him play lacrosse for the first time, which was oh, really? Cool. Yeah, it was very neat. He had a tournament out there, so I watched him and spent time with his family. It was really cool. I must say that facility out there, that's pretty wild. It's fields upon fields upon fields of artificial turf. But here's one thing, and I don't know if you knew this or not. They've kind of turned this into a little bit of an amusement park type of situation where they have um, like a Hall of Fame experience, and then they have um, a, like a souped-up driving range. It's not Top Golf; it's something else. But then they have a Ferris wheel there. Do you know this? They have no. a Ferris wheel. Yes, no. they have a Ferris wheel. Do you hmm. know where that Ferris wheel came from? It came from uh, uh, Sea World. Great guess. It actually came from the IX Center. Oh. Yeah, how, how about, about that? that? I thought you'd like that. So it's pretty cool. I, I actually saw that somebody mentioned to it and then I looked it up. But uh, yeah, Chris Salata, who we had on our show a while back, is uh, works for a company called ICP. They're the ones that bought the IX Center. And then yep. instead of just taking it apart, they didn't want it. They actually sold it to the Hall of Fame. So it was very cool. I had a great day. It was, you know, once again, we talk about the weather at the beginning of the show. It's The weather that day was just phenomenal. So um, so that's my out and about besides, you know, right now we're kind of in a lull with all the 
participate all the stuff that the kids have been doing. Riley's finished with cross country. Maddie is right now in dance. And so we don't have much going on. So I've had a lull. So it's actually been kind of nice. The car has been thanking me as well. <laughs> the car has been, been able to rest a little bit to get ready for the, for the winter. But, uh, sir, I oh. hand the baton to you. I, I, I'm expecting some, some big things here. I know we're yeah. back into hockey. I, Oh yeah. Do we have any concession stand? Well, first let me or first let me point out what a small world it is. Chris Salata, yes, my youngest son's hockey, uh, uh, soccer coach. Oh come on, Seriously? him and his wife. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How about that? That's awesome. They're how such about, nice people. Yep. And how how did two people that tall find each other? By the way. <laughs> Just, they are tall. Yeah. He's got to be six, four. <laughs> and you would expect him to marry some girl who's like five, one tops. And no, right. she's what? Six, one. Six, yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Oh, but, that's uh, anyhow. Uh, let's see. Well, the Parma concession stand, we were at the Parma rink uh, Friday night. Parma concession stand closed when we went to get uh, hot chocolate, but then it reopened. Oh, okay. So we were it a we shift were okay. change. That's a shift change. It, so. Apparently it was. It closed for like 10 minutes. My wife was upset and then she saw somebody got hot chocolate. She's like, oh, maybe it's open again. So it's good hot chocolate until I spilled it on my pants. But that's, a, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? So we got that. Um, we had the skate-a-thon. I can't remember if that was, we did that, talked about that. I can't remember if that was before or after our last show, but we got a lot of baked goods and such that uh, um, we uh, we had there. Uh, where else have we played? Well, we played at Gilmore. Uh, they don't have a concession stand. They have a vending. They have vending machines, or at least. No, that makes open. it easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you're talking about vending. We're talking about, you know, can you get a hot drink out of their vending machine? Can they make you a coffee or hot chocolate out of there? Is it that sophisticated or is it just no. cold drinks? And well, snacks? I, I didn't look. It was it wasn't cool enough for a hot cocoa. But, uh, you yeah. know, I uh, yeah. So we got that. And then, um, you know, at, uh, at our place, we can get hot cocoa out of the machine. We also, um, at our place, they just fixed the, we have the claw that gets the plastic balls out. Oh, God. They just fixed that. And I told the guy, I have bought stock in those plastic balls because of the number of um, balls that my kids have. They go around all the vending machines in the ice, in the ice rink and they get, quarters like this one that i'm holding up right now that's okay. dirty as can be yeah and then they put them in the claw and they get balls out of the claw really yeah and then they play with them oh okay yeah and we I love it a, uh we got a basketball stuck up above a portion of the rink that they had to climb up and uh, get down that was that went over like a fart in church but that's you know <laughs> what are you gonna do um so yeah we uh well, this was interesting. Now, um, one of the teams that one of my sons is on. Let me see if I can get the uh, the menu here. We had um, we had uh, they got their first win, and there was one family who this is their first year in hockey, so they decided that they were going to have 
a party for the first win. Oh, nice. Okay. So they, it wasn't just any party. They had afternoon tea. Love it. So here's the menu. This is for 10, 9, 10, 11 year olds. Okay. Uh, the beverages were apple cider and lemonade. And then we have top tier, middle tier, and bottom tier. Oh, wow. What top tier was flourless chocolate cake. I don't know of many kids that are going to know what the difference is between regular cake and flourless cake, but nonetheless, that's what was available along with uh, lemon mini cupcake with blueberry frosting, a sugar cookie, or a selection of fresh fruit. Uh, I'm going to go to the bottom tier here momentarily. We had uh, pigs in a blanket, PB&J, a pulled pork slider, and then a cucumber sandwich was also available. Oh, I'm told that uh, I'm told that the uh, there were uh, plenty of cucumber sandwiches for uh, uh, leftover use following the uh, oh, okay, rise. All right, and then on the uh, middle tier, scone with clotted cream, jam, and lemon curd. Wow, yeah. that is really sophisticated, man. I yeah. think that's cool. So I would have went to that. Yeah, it'd probably be awkward because I'd be the oldest person there. But well, I would have win, you know. So that was that's, that's cool. Out and about, and uh, kids had fun, and uh, and then they won another game this past weekend, prompting my oldest son to say, "Where's the party at this week?" Oh, it's got to be your house then. Not We're a gonna chance. have to have a tea party. Not a chance. Not a chance. Not a chance. Fair enough. Well, Ted, way to be out and about, taking in all those ice rinks getting some vending and participating in a tea party. I think that's great. And you too, ladies and gentlemen at home, please consider helping out your restaurants, your bars. They need your money. We're out and about and we're having a great time. Ted, we have some good news in Pennsylvania. Okay. The kindergarten is having twice the fun this year. The kindergarten in Colonel School District Northwest of Philadelphia has 17 sets of twins in their class this year. 17 sets of twins. The class has been dubbed <coughs> Twin de Garden. I think that's hilarious. And twin a mom of one set of wow. twins is even a twin herself. That's insane. That... <laughs> that's a lot of twins, man. That's. They Do you gonna... know any twins, by the way? Well, yeah, we got a. Uh set on one of our hockey teams oh do you really okay yeah. i know a couple but not a ton i was trying yeah. to think if i went to school with any i don't think so i know there wasn't any in and at ashland but i just i don't know that many i really yeah. don't so that i mean look how rare that is, how, how very rare that is 17 sets of twins that's that's insane in the same class Time for our favorite sports handicapper, the official handicapper of two middle-aged men in Cleveland, John Ryan from Predictive Playbook. John, very interesting season so far. Mm -hmm. um, the weekend was very interesting, but uh, I first of all want to talk about your game from Monday. I don't think anybody, and I mean anybody, really expected the Denver Broncos to win the game outright, but you had a selection of taking the Denver Broncos plus the six and a half points. 
Yeah, thanks for mentioning that, Ken. It was a, it was a pretty good weekend. Uh, I guess it was two weeks ago we really uh, hit the skids, and that happens every uh, every season. There's always that one or two weeks that is dreadful, and it makes it look like I don't know anything about anything having to do with sports handicapping, and it's you know it keeps you humble. It it really does, and it and it just goes to show how hard contests. Uh, you know, picking five picks these weeks with all the buy games uh, limits the sample size that you can pick from. And you're really picking some ugly games uh, to get those five picks in. But I think we went um, four and one, I guess, or five and one over the weekend. So that is very good. And, you know, the Denver game didn't make any sense. Logically, it was like, why is this not nine and a half? Buffalo needs this win desperately. Uh, another loss in Denver season's all all but over, and now we almost have to reverse. So, in those contrarian situations, you know anybody that has good sound logic is going to struggle with taking those road dogs, especially in prime time. But another interesting thing is the under hit again in prime time. So now we're above eighty percent for the season in prime time games betting the under. And I will caution people to resist the temptation to just simply bet the over in these primetime games. You still have to be selective. The, the primetime games may go 50-50 um, over the remainder of the season. That's going to take that 83% under rate right now and reduce it to maybe 57 or 56, more in line with some of the, the anomalies that we've had in previous seasons where the under has done remarkably well so I, I just would be careful to think that overs are going to now dominate uh the rest of the seasons i don't think that's going to happen john i know uh ted might have a follow-up question but i actually i like to do some research i know this is more surprising for ted than anyone else i <laughs> learned today that the under in nfl games this year is 88 and 60 I, I, I yeah. that is just flooring with all the way that the game has changed with passing. And obviously the most important players now used to be running backs. Now it's receivers. Is that surprising to you, John? I mean, that, that to me is unbelievable. It, it absolutely is. I, uh, for those that are interested you can go to Rotowire and, and find an article I wrote last week uh, about the fact that 60% of the games have played under uh, the total just like in the marketplace on Wall Street, you know, the, the news comes out negative on Apple. The stock is going to adjust its price accordingly to reflect that news. The same thing in, in sports betting circles. So we started out uh, basically at 44 and a half average total in week one. We're now down to an average total of about 42 and possibly a little bit lower going into this week. So the market has adjusted. Now, the you know, the probability is that maybe the over does do a little bit better over the remaining games uh, because the market has now overreacted and you're getting overs on a cheap level in some of these games. But you still have to be very selective. You just can't, you know, um, you know we had that 10 unit uh, uh, bet on Sunday with the over in Dallas. OK, that was pretty scary to me because the other team was called the New York Giants, who were averaging about, <laughs> you know, 10 points a game at best. And the way it started out, you know, the defense holds them on a fourth and goal. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is this was the wrong time to bet the over. But then, you know, it all comes to, uh, quite easily when Dallas just started railroading them. Uh, but you still have to be careful. And that's the theme here. I, I would highly recommend. I had one client ask me if they should bet the over in every game this past weekend. OK, well, that would have won, actually. That would have gone eight and five. 
but still, do you really want to risk that on a, you know, what I call a rubber band trade because the rubber band now has stretched so far as the under it's due to snap back. Well, nothing is due to happen in sports betting or in the markets uh, on wall street. You know, nothing is guaranteed or due to happen just because of an extreme streak. <laughs> uh, so John, let's talk about the, uh, well, the big game here in uh, Cleveland, maybe the big, one of the bigger games in the NFL. Cleveland comes off a big win in Baltimore, and now they host the Steelers, getting away from the X's and O's. Uh, just talking about this from a betting standpoint, what uh, are there any aspects of this game that look uh, particularly promising? Well, I think this is, um, you know, Cleveland winning that game this past Sunday in the way they did. And by the way, there was five games this past weekend that were won on basically the final play of the game. That's an all-time record. The previous record was three. Cleveland was one of those games. Uh, we saw it last night uh, where, you know, inexplic inexplicably the Buffalo defense just kind of crashed and, and burned. Same thing can be said uh, of the Cleveland victory, too. They they went out there and earned it. But we just got talking about how the under is so overly sold uh, in the marketplace. But in this game, I think it warrants an under bet. So this is where you have to separate yourself from the, the existing trend of 60% unders and realize that this is a divisional matchup of teams that have historically beaten the daylights out of each other on the football field. And now both of them are six and three going into this game. So it is a monumental game for the rest of the season, even though there's still eight games to go. Uh, divisional matchup. Pittsburgh has been out yarded in all but one game this year, yet they're six and three. So they're finding ways to win, almost similarly to the way the Eagles are finding ways to win. And um, sooner or later, that has to end, at least for the Steelers, I think. Uh, here we have a total that's 37, and it's very tough to bet an under at 37. Psychologically, you just go like, my God, is Iowa playing in this game? Why is this so low? <laughs> um, and all due respect to Iowa, they have a great defense, as we saw against Rutgers. But when you have a college football team with a total of 28 and a half, there's something wrong somewhere. You know, a, a lot of these uh, ranked teams can put up 28 and a quarter. But uh, back to the, the uh, football there, sorry for the digression, but I think Cleveland's going to take this game. They have a, a ton of momentum going into this matchup. Pittsburgh, you know, it, they're 6-3, and three, but do they really know who they are? You know, that's the question. If I'm on that team and I'm in the locker room, yeah, we're, we're doing great here, but you, you, I think you have to start questioning yourself getting outplayed, but you're winning, and when that's going to end? And I, I just think that uh, this line is already up to four. It's probably going to go to four and a half over the course of the week. It could go higher. Uh, I definitely don't think it's going to go lower because the public is going to bet Cleveland uh, based on recency bias. So we have to be careful there. As of right now, Cleveland looks very attractive to me at minus four. But say we do get 75% of the public on Cleveland, I may back off of it just a tad. So like putting 50% of your normal bet now on Cleveland and see how the market goes um, and then adjust accordingly. The market's going to tell you whether you're supposed to add or just be happy with your 50% bet. Uh, there is an under bet here uh, with a system here. I'll read it to you. You're going to bet under with any 
team against the total that is outscoring their opponents by three to seven points per game. And three to seven is not arbitrary. As we know, most games end with a three, four, six, or seven-point differential. So that encompasses four of the big numbers that we see in the NFL. That team is facing an average team that has a plus or minus three points per game differential. And with the game occurring after the eighth week of the regular season, and after playing a game where 50 or more total points were scored, which were easily scored in the Cleveland win this past Sunday. In fact, that was, I think that was the highest scoring game of, of the week. If not, it was Dallas and the Giants. But nevertheless, those parameters have gone 32-8-1 over the last five years to the under. And that's 79% winners over the last five seasons. So, hmm. you know, that that is a pretty strong system, in my opinion. It's uh, never had a losing season making money. So if you write that down and simply follow it for those that are listening – just track it and, you know, put pizza money on it to start until you get the feel of it. And then, you know, maybe increase your bet size next year. Yeah, no doubt, John. Now, part of this, so, so let's say I'm interested in taking the Cleveland Browns against Pittsburgh and I jump into that game minus four. I wanted to kind of dip into live betting here, John. So I'm watching the game and let's say Pittsburgh scores a touchdown early in the in the contest. Can you give our listeners at home an idea of maybe a strategy that one should have if they're going to do live betting? Oh, absolutely. It's a great question, Ken, and it's one of my favorite topics to speak about. You know, there, there are times, and uh, you've seen it in my research reports that go out to the clients, that it, it may not make sense when you first read it because I'm saying that bet 50% pre-flop, meaning before the kickoff, and then we're hoping that the other team scores first. Why in the world would you ever want the other team to score first, right? But there are lead changes in the NFL, and we're seeing quite a few of them. Kansas City is the team that has the most lead changes of any team in the NFL this season. In fact, the past three seasons. And uh, it, there's games that the, the team that scores first is not the team that's going to win the game. So if we know from our analytics that there's a – a say on a money line bet, there's an 80% probability that Cleveland's going to win the game. And it's based on the numbers and the model. Then you got to, you stick with that. And even if it gets to be 10, nothing Pittsburgh, that's the optimal time to jump in. It's, it's like buying Apple computer after a 40 point drop in the stock during the course of a month, say, and it's scary. It's like, Oh my God, why do I want to buy this stock? Well, the story is still the same, right? That we still think that Cleveland is going to win this game. And a lot of times these uh, these plays, as you've seen, both of you have seen some of my picks. You know, they don't start out well. Uh, watch an NBA game this season. And in fact, the last five seasons when scoring started to increase, you're going to have both teams scoring 10 unanswered points in a high number of these games. So watch what happens to the live betting line. You don't even have to bet it. Just track it. And after a run of, of say, 10 points, um, by any NBA team. There's usually a, a timeout. They go to commercials, gives you plenty of time to look at the live in-game bet, and you bet the other team. So you you fade that that scoring trend and you do the same thing throughout the whole game. You create what is potentially a massive middle that could be as wide as 15 points. And it's like an option in option markets where you know you have seven days to expiration. You gotta be right. And probably right in a big way just to break even or make money. And the same thing in the live betting. I just 
there's no opportunity in the second half to uh, to be consistently right by using the live in game. So I hope that all made sense. Oh, certainly. And obviously, for listeners at home, your recommendation, John, if you're going to do live betting, you do it in the first half. You you don't try to catch something in the second half or anything like that. For Obviously, for whatever sport you're talking about, correct? That is correct. Okay, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Hey, John, uh, let's talk about the predictive playbook play of the week here. Okay, let me uh, pull that up here. This is, um, I believe, it's the last game on the card on Sunday, and this uh, was something that came up on my my database, which is a massive one, as you guys know. This betting system has gone twenty five and five with one push. That's eighty three point three percent winners since nineteen eighty nine. So it's pretty rare. It happens, you know, once in a blue moon, so to speak. It's never had back to back losses in the system. That doesn't mean it can't happen. We're in a situation here where it is coming off a loss. The last time this qualified, it lost. Okay, so we have an opportunity here to really play a solid betting system. But again, it's not, you can't think of this as like, oh my God, 83% winners over since 1989. I mean, this is going to lose. Well, someday it's going to have six losses. You know, someday it's going to have seven. We don't know what day that's going to be. So you would just bet this with the same discipline you would on a betting system that uh, is hitting 60% winners, you know, because there's a reason why. So anyway, we're going to bet on teams like the Denver Broncos who are running hot right now with a win percentage of less than 50% from week nine on out. And they're facing an opponent like the Minnesota Vikings that are coming off a home win as a dog, which means they were favored. They were, Expected to lose the game at home, but they didn't. They pulled off the upset. And their win percentage is above 50%, but less than 60%. So that is the system. That set of parameters has done extraordinarily well. It's 18 and 13 straight up. So you can tell that most of the time, this system is on dogs, but very small dogs, plus four and a half and less. Um, so, yeah, the last time this uh, play this system hit was um, actually we have to go back to 2021. So there was no qualifying play last year, um, but that that was the last time this hit before that it won five in a row, then it lost. And before that six in a row. So it's uh, what is that? 11 and two uh, since 2012. So it, on average, it happens about once a year. So that doesn't mean it's a game of the year because you guys know I hate that terminology. It's just <laughs> it's hype. It's not necessary. We have a great betting opportunity here, and that's what it is. Fair enough. So in this contest, John, we are taking the Broncos over Minnesota, and we're going against the points, correct? Yep, minus two and a half. Uh, the total is 43. And if, um, again, it, it sounds crazy to say, but we want the Vikings to score first. If you yes. like the live in-game betting, then bet 50% or 60%, 70% pre-flop, and then use the remaining amount at that point where uh, Minnesota goes up 7 nothing. It has to be 7 nothing. If it's just 3 nothing, you're not going to get much of a movement from what you originally had because you're in the first or second quarter. But if it, they do score first and it's impressive, that line could easily be Broncos plus 2.5 at 7 nothing in the first quarter. Uh-huh. So that that is what I would look for. And um, here again, I expect the Broncos to win this game outright. So any dog bet live in game during the first half uh, is looking quite good as we talk here on Tuesday. 
John, so much information. We really appreciate the time. <laughs> if people want to find out more about you or interested in picking up, you know, your handicapping skills and purchasing a, a package, where would they go to do that? Uh, the predictiveplaybook.com, or you can send me a direct message at uh, on on the X, uh, formerly known as Twitter, uh, at John Ryan Sports and the number one. My email is johnryansports at gmail.com or john.ryan at predictiveplaybook.com. Um, and that's the best way to get a hold of me. I usually get back within, uh, you know, pretty quickly. You know, game days, it's longer than uh, I would like, but there's just a lot of uh, people pouring in. Uh, NBA is off to a great start, 11-5 and five against the spread. We're 5-2 and two in college hoops, went 2-0 and oh last night. Love that Florida international game against uh, Miami. That oh yes, was, that was something to behold. Oh yes. Um, but you know, as I I always use that that saying, you know, some days you're the dog, and some days you're the fire hydrant, and there's a thousand dogs <laughs> in the neighborhood, and uh, it happens to everybody. But most importantly, you know what I like to say is to bet with your head and not over it, and that's the most important thing I can get across to people. And if I get across to one that you know doesn't bet over their head, that we're successful. John, appreciate the time. As always, your knowledge on betting and betting safely, and we really enjoy that, and we're looking forward to the games, and we're hoping for another win from uh, the Cleveland Browns as they've been playing very well here the past couple weeks. So, John, thanks again. We look forward to talking to you in a couple weeks and, and getting some more picks. You got it. Thanks very much for having me. Can an overachiever, not you, not nope. me. No, this is an Idaho man. He already has more than 250 Guinness World Record titles teamed up. He teamed up with a duo of amazing race contestants to break the record for putting chopsticks into a beard in one minute. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Let me say that again. I don't Please. know that we hear those words in that order too often. Broke the record for putting chopsticks into a beard in one minute. Okay. All right. Joel Strasser already holds records for most toothpicks in a beard, most baubles in a beard, and most straws in a beard. And now Garrett Smith and David Rush have helped him, and they shoved 104 chopsticks into his beard, making that a world record. I mean, we could not even participate in that. I, I don't have a beard, neither do you. No. 250. 250 records. Wow. Just shoving stuff in your beard. Yeah. Well, I wonder how many different things they have. I mean, besides what we have, I guess we got to look this up. It could. Lollipops. Yeah. Pens, straws. Straws. Yeah. Wonder if I, I'll be honest. We've had a lot of these. This is one of the oddest ones we've had. I, I don't. This is strange. What about PVC? Get some PVC pipe and shove that in there. Maybe I guess you that yeah. What if you don't find it all? Well, <laughs> I mean, obviously you got to have a pretty bushy beard to be doing this type of stuff. Yeah. It's not a, you know, you, you don't have a food man chew or anything like that. No. I mean, you're talking ZZ top stuff here. This is, so. this is high level beard growing. Oh, I have to get that guy on from, uh, uh that guy that uh, the shaving guy, we should bring him back. Oh yeah. Good call. About, yeah. Uh, can talk about that grooming your beard for world record attempts yeah well either way joel strasser has the beard and the world record and now he's an overachiever 
name in journalism, Klops Clips. Ken, we're going to start in Arizona. A high school teacher in Mesa suspended for a Halloween costume that offended some students. Shocker. The unidentified teacher greeted students wearing devil horns and carrying a pitchfork. Each student entered the class, and the teacher reportedly waved the pitchfork over their head and said, Hail Satan. That seems like a really good idea. Yeah, part of the problem is that the teacher continued doing this even after some students asked the teacher to stop. Okay. So, suspension. Hail, Hail Satan. Satan. Hail Satan. You're suspended. Okay. Staying in the southwest, uh, this is from New Mexico. A used car salesman in Albuquerque took a customer's car for a test drive to assess it and got arrested. The salesman was clocked doing 103 miles an hour in a 45. He tried to apologize, saying he was making sure the Ford Mustang was a solid machine. The officer didn't buy it and told the guy he was old enough to know better. I want to make sure it's a solid machine. Solid I'm machine. I'm going to get this baby up. I yeah. mean, that's like going down the, the middle of uh, St. Clair Avenue and, and just cranking that thing up to go 100 to see if yeah. it's running. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a solid machine, man. Solid machine. Yeah. Wow. Because you need solid machine is determined by speed. You should never travel oh, yeah. anywhere in the country. 100%. Well, Taylor Swift is a very well-known celebrity, as we know, but saying her name in one home in Bethesda, Maryland, is going to cost you. Father Dan Rice, dad Dan Rice, not a priest, but he's a dad. A okay. He's had enough of the Swift, of, of Taylor Swift and the whole Eras tour. He can't take it anymore, so he created a Taylor Swift jar. The jar has a label that says Taylor Swift jar. Any mention of T-Swift... And you owe a quarter. I can't take it anymore, Travis Kelsey included. So every time mom or his daughter mentioned Taylor Swift, cha-ching. I like it. A quarter. It's a good idea. I think we're all tired of hearing it. Yeah. I mean, he's a local guy. I mean, let's be honest. Super happy. He's gotten a lot of exposure. He's playing really well, too, but we've all had enough. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just too much. Well, to be fair, it's not his fault that the TV no, absolutely plastering not. that all over. No, and it's so funny at the games now, is they've been on by this week. I You can guarantee when they have their game on this week, it'll be Taylor Swift. I they mean, we'll, should, we'll find out where she's at. They should have a, uh, a graphic in the corner of the screen, Swift cam or something like that. Oh, you know, you know what? If they had that as a live thing where yeah. you could just watch the Swift just cam, watch I bet you millions cam. of people would watch that. Oh, yeah. Just millions. stream that. Yep. Yeah. Taylor Swift ought to do that. She could put that on Patreon or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Sports. Uh, some scores. 101 to 92, 93, Ooh. 78, and 89 to 84. Wow. Yeah. I'm Ted Klopp. That's news to me. 
dad joke. I don't trust trees. You don't trust trees? Why is that? They seem kind of shady. That joke was horrible. Ken, we're coming to the end of episode 125. I have an idea for us. I'm ready. I think we need to uh, double up and go on Cameo together and start doing greetings. Oh, Cameo. Cameo. I've actually, I've done that a couple times. I've, I've purchased it for other people. It's very fun. I think the two that I did, it was Josh Cribbs. Yeah. And then the old coach for the Cleveland Browns. Which coach? Hugh Jackson. Hugh It was pretty cool. Now, I'm not going to say oh, what I told him to say. Yeah, I know you're familiar with Cameo, obviously. Oh, yeah. You basically write them a note and tell the person what's going on or what you want them to talk about. And yeah, for the person that <laughs> sent it to, it had to do with some dysfunction. We'll just leave dysfunction, it at that. Dysfunction, yeah. So, so was he, uh, did he mention the dysfunction? He sort of mentioned the dysfunction, sort but the mentioned. Cameo itself was kind of weird because it was literally he took his phone and put it about as close as he could to his face. And all you literally saw was his head yeah. and nostrils. It was really odd. I now, need to how long, that to you. How long after he got fired was he on Cameo? Um, This was months after. Months. So I would say three, I would say wow. five to six months after. Well, you yeah. got to cash in on that quick, you know. Yeah. Josh Cripps was pretty solid, as you can imagine. I, yeah. I had him on as well. Well, there's some interesting folks on there. So you think we should jump on this? Oh, absolutely. We could charge at least five bucks. Oh, my God. I think that we would be overcharged. I know Kenny Rhoda's on there. I'm trying to think of some of the other local people. I don't know if Tony Rizzo is not or not. But yeah, Kenny Rhoda, who was on our Woo! show, he, he's on there. Yeah. yeah. Classic. Whatever. Oh, that's a good idea. I like it. Yeah. Second source of income. I like that. Hey, I got a, I got a quick uh, hockey story. Okay. So my oldest son, who plays goalie, has been playing really well the last couple games, like lights out. Awesome. So he and another goalie split uh, the games half and half. So they play at Parma on Friday, and the one goal, the other goalie goes the first period, and we we didn't play much defense. So not, like not the defense. Cavs. You uh, just don't play you like the Cavs, you don't play defense. Right. Yeah. Not that so, you know, it wasn't the other goalie's fault, but he gave up four goals in the first period. Oh, geez. Okay. So my son comes in. Shuts them out. Wow. For a period and a half. Wow. We climbed back in the game. We won the game six to five. Oh, my gosh. So he gets the game puck. He's all excited. Sunday morning, we had our next game. And there was a kid who was not at the game on Friday. And he's like, how did it go? Well, apparently my son piped up and said, well, I won the game for us. Oh, shit. And I was told this by the uh, other goalie dad, and we both oh, boy. Had, and I said, well, it's hard to be humble when you're great. <laughs> so That's good for him, man. Building confidence uh, and all that. That's great. Yeah. Well, we yeah, were driving to the uh, goalie clinic last night, and I started to talk to him about working harder in practice, and he said, I'm the best goalie. And I said, even the best goalie needs to work hard. 
And then there he did. So, yeah, that's awesome. So well, good for him. Uh, looking forward to more of those stories as we uh, move forward. As God knows, the hockey season lasts quite a long time. Forever. So, yes. Now I heard that you uh, you have something that you want to get off your chest. I do. So we're in the season now where people are starting to buy more items because Christmas is right around the corner. By the way, this is, you know, obviously we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving here soon, and that should be done first and foremost. But obviously there's a a site that people go to where they bring the items to you. So um, I've, I've been purchasing a couple items just for some home stuff and all that. And obviously at times you have returns, which they make it, Super easy for you to do this. You don't even have to pack it yourself anymore. You just can go to a department store, the UPS store, whatever. And I'm not going to mention where I went. Uh, It wasn't their fault, but I'll explain an experience. So I go to this store. I have the item. I'm ready to return. I'm holding the item in my hand and they're going to pack it for me. And then I have a barcode on my phone ready to go so that as soon as I'm there, they scan the barcode. I give them the item. They give me the thing. I'm gone. It's like yep. a one minute to two minute transaction. Right. There was a person in front of me who was returning multiple items. That's fine. They were not organized and they couldn't find the email with their QR code on there. I, along with the 15 other people in line, waited for this individual person for nearly 20 minutes. Oh. And I wanted to tell the person, if you're not ready, step aside, let others go. Word of the wise, if you're returning stuff, just be ready. Yeah. Get your stuff together. If you don't have it, more than likely someone will let you step aside. And once you are, they'll let you get back in the line. But as we move towards the holidays, and there's going to be a ton of returns. And at this particular store... Not only was the return area very crowded, if you were going to buy anything at the checkout, you were going to wait at least a half an hour. It was utterly ridiculous. So my rant of the day is just be ready. Be prepared. Be prepared and be conscious of other people around you and know that they don't want to sit there and take up the time waiting for you to find things on your phone. Well, that, that let's be honest. That goes for so many different things in life. Whether you're returning something, you're buying something, and you, you know you're going to need money, and it's not until you're ready to go, and then you start looking for your uh, credit card, yeah. Yeah. or you're ordering food at a fast food place, and you get to the front of the line, and that's when you start looking at the menu. No, yeah, no. Yep. Not yeah. not acceptable. No, it's I don't know. It just it was uh it was frustrating. We'll leave it at that. And I was there there during my lunch time and I only had a certain amount of time to be there and I wasted most of my time waiting in line for this person. So imagine wow. the people behind me were also feeling the same way as I turned around and looked and it looked like the gentleman was ready to behind me was ready to just jump out and pull this woman to the side. So just be courteous and kind, everybody, and make sure that you're not taking up other people's time. So. Your your frustration duly warranted. Ted, Thanksgiving's here. Let's talk yes. about it. What do you guys got going for Thanksgiving? I have no idea. 
Well, that's probably the best answer. It's a surprise. We usually go to uh, my brother-in-law's house, but they are going to his wife's parents in Michigan. So they're not going to be around. So oh. I don't know what we're going to do. I oh. actually asked my wife last night as we were sitting there watching TV. I was like, so uh, what are we doing for Thanksgiving? I have no idea. Okay. All right. Well, you got some time. You got yep. about a week. So we buy a turkey. We can go to a movie. We'll be all yep. set. Yep. Great stuff. What about you? Spend, spending time with the kids, family, all that stuff. Looking forward to that. I also will be taking in. Not for Thanksgiving, but for the this weekend coming up, it's a very big weekend in the city of Medina where mm-hmm. they have the the light festival, oh. where they light the Christmas tree and they have a parade and they have Santa. I will be taking in all those festivities as I am working with my fine friends at Cool Beans Cafe. It's a uh, it's a big weekend. I actually uh, put some time in yesterday, late in the evening, where we decorated the shop. And I must tell you, if you can follow them on Facebook, it's pretty cool. The theme is the Grinch, where they have a large throne where you can sit there. They're going to have the Grinch there at some point in time. It reminds me of a lot of these bars that you see around Cleveland that's like decorated with Christmas stuff, becomes a Christmas bar. That's kind of what they've done for the coffee shop. It's pretty cool. So I will be working. I'll be logging some good hours this weekend, Ted. I got Friday night. I got Saturday. And then I got Sunday. Mm. So we'll be we'll be rocking it out, selling some different merchandise. So it's- I'm actually pretty excited about that. Weather's supposed to be good. I think it's supposed to rain Friday, but the rest of the time should be good. So if you have the chance to come on down to the Medina, please do. It's very cool. The whole square is lit up. They have a parade and just a lot of fun. So highly recommend that. If uh, is a uh, Friday night, a big uh, coffee night uh, in uh, Medina. Every night's a big Every coffee night. night. Every <laughs> night. I, I, well, I've worked there now for close to three weeks. Yeah, I, I will say that anytime I've ever worked, which usually is evenings, obviously, because I'm working, it's always it's nonstop. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Lattes mm. and mocha. I mean, it is unbelievable. Last night, the, the store closed a little bit early just because the dude some decorating and people were still trying to come in. Uh. I mean, it's just like, how, are you, how can you be closed? It was it was it's very interesting. But no, it's it's super busy. And for that. For that event, oh gosh, it'll be packed. People will be lined up out the door, which is just unbelievable. So it should be fun. How many autographs have you signed? Not one yet. Oh. Um, only when I signed Let's the Let's work on that, people. Come on. Something. Cool Beans Cafe Medina. Ken Dworznik of Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland fame will be available for autographs, selfies, he might even do a cameo for you with no charge. I could do a cameo. I'll just grab your phone and just, you know, record the video for you right there. Who person. knows what he'll talk about? I but, have no idea yeah. what I'll talk about. Maybe I'll talk about, you know, having struggles at department stores. There you go. Game. Yes. Yeah. Do that, so. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, Ted, uh, thanks for the show. Thanks for all your efforts. Thanks to John Ryan talking about sports betting. Don't forget to, uh, if you're going to place a bet this week, you're going to take the Denver Broncos. Um, minus the two and a half points against the Minnesota Vikings. Also, John Grabowski, who uh, was talking about the Veterans Memorial Bridge. Thanks for doing that. And then, of course, 
you folks for listening. I hope everyone has a safe and healthy Thanksgiving if you're traveling anywhere. And we look forward to talking to you in a couple weeks. Until that time, please don't forget, we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions. <laughs>